This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. My guest today builds athletes, gives them confidence, and at times repairs their bodies. He is not six foot four with a massive barrel chest, and he's not even a screamer. What Isaac Salazar is, the Cal State Fullerton Director of Strength and Conditioning, is a man with the knowledge and the brains to get the most out of his athletes when they walk into his weight room. One of the things people want to do, like when they want to train, they also want to eat better, right? And they look at things like, I should be eating this, I shouldn't be eating this, and they try to make, you know, they take everything out of their out of their pantry, they go buy all like grass-fed organic, they go to farmers markets, they buy like the the best produce and it rots in their fridge or it rots in their pantry. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests who have been awarded the Silver Star, Living with ALS, and Malcolm and Willem Brown. I just want to go to school and live a normal life and not have to deal with all this. And just, like, meet people, have everyone on campus. Yeah. Not have to deal with Zoom. You're always there. Yeah, when people... It'd just be so much better. I remember people were like, this is the new normal. I'd get so upset. I'm like, no, it's not. Don't even say that. I want to ever accept this as normal. This so when I hear people or see... Yeah, or people post, this is the new normal. No, it won't... For you to say that, you give up. And I'm not giving up. And you just... You gave up. You're letting this happen. And you're you're weak. I'm not going to let this... can't let this come over Yeah. Here. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into our conversation with Isaac Salazar. Isaac, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Matt. I've always enjoyed, you know, when we're at the ballpark and and seeing you get set up. I I think your job is really, really cool. And I think the shots you take are so awesome. Um, A couple of our alumni, like Matt Orloff, his dad is a photographer. So we get to talk about like how good you are. (laughs) And he said, he makes me look really good. I said, yes, he does. He makes all of our guys look like big leaguers. Well, I miss, you know, this year away of not being around and seeing you, you know, throw weights at kids and stretch them out. (laughs) get them all ready to go it's it's been horrible yeah yeah how are you handling it um like when we first went home uh Uh, 365 days ago yeah you know we started to like prepare all of our athletes for just like a month of off-season workouts remotely and then we'll see you soon so you just thought oh, 30 days and we'll be back yeah like a two to three week window we thought like hey we're gonna shut down we're gonna let this um you know we're gonna flatten, flatten the, the curve, curve right? right and um <laughs> and we're gonna bunker down and we'll see you soon and we'll just prepare for you know a really long off-season where we have time to dive in and develop and um you know after peeling off the layers of like how long this could be. We started to really prepare for like establishing content for our athletes and being a presence while they're at home, something that they can do with access or no access wherever they were. Right. Um, and um, just creating like a positive influence on some lifestyle habits that we thought that they can really um, put in their toolbox um, so that, Maybe when they came back to us at some point, they had some foundational skills that we kind of rush and don't get to really tap into. Sure. And just off-season work, train hard, train hard, train hard. In-season work, monetize, maintain, whatever. Where we don't really get to um, dive into like the learning part of being a pro. How was it for you, though, 
Like your routine was a dis- oh, totally. disrupted as much as theirs, right? You're, you're it's March. You're totally, you've got basketball in the tournament. You've got golf going on. You got baseball and softball tracks, got 9,000 kids. Totally. Like, how was it for you physically to like try to juggle that? Yeah. Um, what I try to do is like give lots of responsibility to our sports staff. So I at least have my finger on the pulse of what they're doing. And I hopefully have, um, selected the right people that are really good at what they're doing as well so that they can monitor their group of responsibilities and create like this really good robust program. So that's always in my mind, like who's coming in, who's got to do what, especially with our baseball guys in season. It's always like, how do we work around bullpen schedules? And, and, you know, I got to know this guy's got to get ready for a start. What is he doing? Right. This, this group of position players are coming at a certain time around practice. Like that's always like it, the white noise in the back of my head and I didn't have to worry about all that. And that was like concerning that I wasn't like engaging in some of the things that like are mentally engaging and right. And like my day to day and my routine. Did it kind of throw you off a little bit? A a punch. Like absolutely. And um, I think that kind of gets forgotten. Everybody thinks the kids, the kids, the kids, there's staff. They've got a routine around those kids. Yeah. Yeah. My time is managed around like who's coming in the door how can programs, I find programs? Right. Yeah. All, all of that, getting people prepared, understanding the program. season programs too. Mm-hmm. So they might not be their season, but they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Like for us, like off season is the time of the training frequency goes up. The attention <laughs> to training goes up. So it's, it's higher frequency. It's more learning. It's more preparation. Uh, the time that we actually are in the weight room training is longer. We're covering a larger exercise menu. It's college strength training is development training. So it's learning how to train. And that takes like some layers of teaching and organization. So I, you know, I have a yearly checklist. I should be here with these groups of athletes. We should cover this certain amount of things. They should be prepared this way. Um, And when we had to stop, it's just like, well, are they, am I going to help them (laughs) where they need help? And um, I, I personally like love to be in a organized routine where, you know, I could eat the same thing every day for breakfast and the same thing for lunch every day, have the same snack at the same time. And like, it's like regimented and that's like how my brain works. I can be consistent. And in my training, it's the same. Like I train, I have long-term plan when I train, I check the box every time. I, I don't miss days. I don't miss reps. I'm very, it's like the patient method sure. and I get good development and like, that was overwhelming. Like, what, are we going to be able to train? Because I like to train too. Sure. That, that like, that like refreshes my brain and, and keeps me interested in learning new strategies for training to help give more resources about get development. Um, so that, yeah, that was hard. Uh, silver lining was we had a newborn. Um, <laughs> so it's very rare for the, for the new father to say that's yeah, the silver lining. Silver lining. Well, my first one, was like right when um, off-season baseball training starts, like August right. of 2017. Yeah, August 2017, uh, my, my first daughter Mercedes was born. And we didn't know like how to be a parents right. yet. Parents. So it's like, I will be home for a week, be back to dive it in with a you know, heavy, intense, you know, guttural training with baseball for a week, come back for a week where it's just us and uh, uh, not the help of my mother-in-law and we'll figure out how to do all this stuff out. I just, I, I need to make sure like 
those guys are taking care of. Right. We, um, we got to spend more time with my youngest, Amada. So my youngest got like to see dad every single day for, you know, the time March till October. Wow. Yeah. Every day. And my wife works in the healthcare industry, um, at a nat- natural childbirth center called South Coast Midwifery, where she, you know, helps on the admin side and, and, um, she, uh, they were getting busier as people were concerned about where, where am I going to deliver babies? And sure. I'm not, I don't know much about hospital births now with COVID. Um, my partner wants to be involved. I don't know what kind of access they'll get. So they were ramping up business and she was still able to work uninterrupted according to her schedule. So I was there for all the naps and all the <laughs> burpings and feedings and diaper changes. Um, we built, uh, so you lost, you lost all of your kids and got <laughs> your one full time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, tried to manufacture like the best fit home gym. I went on to YouTube. There's a guy on YouTube. Uh, he does a, a page called garage gym reviews. He teaches you how to build stuff. Right. So I built a squat rack out of cement buckets and fence posts. So you can have like a standing rack right. and I, um, uh, because bar- you don't have that at home, right? No. Your gym's yeah. here. This is, this is the place where right? I do it all, yeah. right? I practice, you know, what I'm going to implement for training here like five days a week and, and have, you know, a great facility to practice in. And I have all the tools that I need. I don't have anything at home. When so I go you home, really became a regular person. Yeah, regular Joe. Regular Joe. With nothing. No access to anything like anybody else. So... I when I became like a YouTube bandit and figured out how to build <laughs> stuff and got to borrow some things from school that right. were transportable. A uh, couple uh, of kettlebells yeah, here and there. Yeah, and I brought a barbell and, and a variety of weights. Right. Went to like a horse feed store, got some rubber mats, built like this little makeshift, um, like erector set style of training where I could basically do everything to a degree. I built like a pull-up station in my garage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I got pretty involved. So I was like still on my routine at lunchtime twice a week, Monday, Tuesday, off on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, never missed. Uh, sometimes naps would be interrupted by training. So I, I pull the, um, like the pack and play in the garage and throw one of the kids in the pack and play. The other one, uh, you know, not the best parenting advice, but was on an iPad, you know, (laughs) watching daddy train. That's all right. Yeah. 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 Um, you would have been left to a black and white TV somewhere in the house. So it's okay. Yeah. Most likely, (laughs) most likely. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, our day to day was to, um, connect with our athletes that were maybe, um, uh, at a higher degree of importance for development. We didn't want, we wanted to use that opportunity to take advantage of the time you have. Right. Right. Look at the positives, turn your, turn it around physically if you're lacking physically. So, you know, we had team staff meetings with our athletic department, getting updated on what's going on. Strength conditioning staff meetings weekly on how we can build content better for our athletes. And then, you know, sport team meetings where we would, find times to be like educators for, you know, fitness and wellness. Right. Or teach them about the access that they're going to have, whether it's like, if you're at home, what can you do at home with nothing? If you want to build something out of, you know, go to Home Depot, you want to be a Home Depot uh, weight room guy, we can teach you how to do that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that was fun. Because you're dealing with kids all over the country, probably some probably out of the U.S., right? Uh, some. Right. Yeah, Soccer's some, got a couple. Soccer, some basketballs. 
Um, so everybody's I, scattered across yeah, the I, world. I had two girls that were coming in as freshmen from Australia. Oh, Jesus. Um, on the women's basketball program. Uh, and uh, they had more access than our U.S. athletes. So we built a developmental program that had YouTube links and um, actually a selection that was pretty foundational. It was like two 12-week phases of training. And I said, if you can practice this, this will set you up to be adaptable to training, you know, whether we get to do it here eventually. Right. Um, but that turned into like also giving that to other teams that had access. Um, the one thing that I would say like we got to do through COVID is be collaborative as a staff. My coach Alex Belgic and I and our GAs that were uh, current at the time and even our new ones that we integrated in the summertime got to make stuff that was reachable to all the athletes all at once. Okay. Instead of intra-assignment where you're individualizing the training based on the sport population that you're working with. So we made it conditional to what was open. If you're stuck at home, there's a, there's a button to push on, on Google Sheets where you can, or Google Drive where you can find right. tons of access to references and, and training and videos. If you have some equipment, we got a, some equipment workout. <laughs> if you got access to a gym, here's, here's the, this the method. Uh, if you want to learn so you how spent to- spent a lot of hours putting this yeah, thing together. Yeah, free content. For the athletes, it was, you know, we're like, we're like Google rats where we, where we use like the tech that's free. Like there's so much free stuff that you right. can use on Google doc, Google sheet. And, um, and so we were able to dump video slideshow, tons of things, links, anything mm -hmm. you could just, and to then make we sure. used it as a platform and we'll get in front of the team and show them where everything is, or we'll get in front of a population that needs to know how to maybe eat for athletic performance instead of just compositional performance. Right. I think that was one thing that I really, really was proud of, like learning better ways to um, communicate some of those things that we don't get to touch on when we're just in the trenches training people all the time. Right. Like the wellness piece without sounding like you need to do this better or right. you aren't doing this well. It's, it's more like here's an avenue to feel better, play better and achieve your goals. How and many took to it? Uh, I would say it's like- hard. It's my population, and I think, like, from my experience, the baseball, baseball population guys see, like, the track record of the alumni that are making money mm -hmm. and um, are developing physically out after they're done playing, and they want, they want access to that. Right. They want a piece of so that. So we want to provide, like, how did they get there? They started foundationally somewhere, too. Um, so they're a little more um, responsive to just integrating the plan saying this is the avenue and they attack it themselves okay. you know on the basketball side they are responsive if you can package it by i'm going to help you and hold and 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 guide you through it and and create a level of accountability so that you can do this well and so that's what coach alex did really really well is set up you know multiple zoom meetings with those guys even um even through access points that that were um maybe different than our baseball program right um but still providing like tons of um, reach during that time uh, in a unique way by the population that receives it differently. Sure. Yeah. So give me a little backstory. How did you find yourself interested in throwing some steel around? Okay. Because <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, it's typically 
like one year, million years ago, Mel and I and um, Ryan Ermelin went to Nebraska and we got to see their training facility. Yeah. And it looked like basically a Costco size, yes. you know, weight room and all in red. Yes. So how does one like you decide, like, I think I find this interesting. Yeah, totally. Um, I would say for me, it was a favorable marriage for development athletically. During your baseball yeah. career. Okay. Yeah. I got to play at a pretty competitive high school in the Inland Empire. Edwana High School was it's a, it's a large populated high school in a dense populated area. So okay. the, the competition level is pretty good. Okay. And, um, like even now I tell our young coaches, like my presence in the weight room is different than someone who's like six, six and 300 pounds and used to play football and can, Absolutely. and it's humongous, right? right? They just, they just garner respect because they are physical presence. Well, sure. I can try to do the same by being excellent and organized and sharp and when I demonstrate things, I do it the way it's intended. And, and I'm fairly competent, right? Almost to like the positive degree relative to my, the people that I'm teaching. Like I'm, I'm an, ex, I feel like an expert. I look like an expert. Can right. walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, athletically, I had that drive all the time. I loved baseball. I thought it was you know, the best thing ever and worked at it ever since I was young enough to set up the tee myself and to set up a net myself. And, you know, during the summertime, I would just practice, practice, practice in any capacity on my own. I didn't have friends that played the game. So I'd play other sports with them. Okay. Like basketball, tennis did it. I loved the idea of like, I never want to be picked last for any sport. Like, right. That's I, I want Isaac on my team. Yeah. yeah. So that was like a driving motivator. <laughs> sure. And I didn't mind being like the undersized little guy. Like I was, I took it as a challenge. Like I love competing against people who are bigger, stronger, more capable. Right. And I love beating those guys. It's great. Um, so in high school, um, as I was getting to play varsity, I, I didn't play very much my junior year. And we had a, a couple guys who were the same class as me and we would work out together at like a, just like a, a local gym. Okay. Um, and we didn't know what to do. Like we would use the machines. We would do things that we like to do see other people yeah. doing right you see like these huge bodybuilders with stringer tees and their milk jugs of water and what are they doing let's practice that sure yeah <laughs> that looks easy yeah and like <laughs> i whatever you want to call it like late bloomer late adapter physically whatever i was like 109 pounds i like 109 right like buck 09 <laughs> was what, like i mean they nicknamed my freshman year of, of high school uh, my Spanish teacher called me Bucko Nine. <laughs> she had two. Um, she had two kids on the baseball team. They were twins, and they were already like developed six foot, hundred and eighty five pound freshmen. Like we we get those freshmen in college, right. right? I'm like super tiny. Yeah, but they ended up not playing later in life. You know, like later in high school, like they kind of gave it up, and I just kind of tick 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 little by little kept working at it. And on the skill side, I was pretty good, like good enough not to get cut. Right. But also not quite there yet to play every day. Okay. Compared to how physical the game could be. Sure. At that level and how physical I wasn't yet. Okay. Right. So I always got this like great, is this called like the Eagle Award or the Spirit <laughs> Award? Like the hardest, you're the yep. hard worker. Hardest working yeah, guy. Like, gosh, and every practice. Yes, he's always Thank there. you, I guess. Like, <laughs> and my dad, he would, you know, come to the games knowing I wasn't going to play. And he was 
always like positive and influential and like working hard. Like he's a go-getter, like works his butt off to the nth degree, just retired from, um, you know, 40 plus years at UPS as a package driver. And um, I think that's one of the, you know, character traits always like kind of buried deep inside is like, just, just work hard, just work hard, just work right. hard. And he would tell the parents like jokingly, that's my son on the dug in the dugout. He'll cheer the hardest. He might not play, but he'll cheer the hardest. And uh, I, I, I started to catch up on the skill wise my senior year and got to okay. play every day and play enough to get an opportunity to be considered for like all conference or all league or whatever it was. Sure. We played good enough. We got to the postseason first time in a long, long time and played adequately, you know, to be in the starting lineup and hit above average. Um, and I didn't really know like how college baseball works. I love college baseball. I'd watch it. Was college on your radar? Oh yeah. Like okay, academically so like solid enough to go anywhere. Okay. Like any, any UC academically strong enough. Like I, I did all the AP classes. Okay. Like school is not hard. Sports was like, I want to marry the two in some capacity. I want to be able to play. Did any guidance counselor talk oh, to not you? Not athletically, only academically. Like here's your scores. Like you can get into all these UCs. Great. I didn't know like how to put yourself in a position to be like recruited walk on at a good school. Okay. Or the JC route, like how, right. to, how to develop that. Like I know way more now cause I've seen oh, it sure. all up You're and in down. The thick yeah. of it. Up and down. And my yeah, wife you've got coaches. Yeah. My yeah, wife you... played division one soccer, Arizona state. Like, so if our kids are capable enough, at least we know. Right. You have a map. Yeah. My parents had no idea. They knew I didn't play that much and right. that's play a little my, my senior year. To and you had great grades, but yeah. they didn't know they how did, to put it together. We weren't sure. You know, and I was like left to be less confident about my ability. Um, fortunately, got to play at um, like a showcase for, you know, in high school at a like a spring tournament okay. where we played like the like the good schools that are right. El Toro, Capital Valley. Like it was like the Wiener Little Classic. <laughs> I think you heard that. It's like yeah. Woodbridge High School. Um and the head coach at Vanguard University got to see me play. They had a pretty good little run there, NAI school down in Costa Mesa. Uh -huh. um, the year before, they were like one win away from getting to uh, Lewiston, Idaho. Had, which you, is like, had you even heard of Vanguard? Never heard of the school. Right. right. Never heard of the school. I knew of like the Cal Baptists. Okay. I went to a, a private Christian junior, uh, junior high, and I had a, a PE teacher who was a baseball player at Cal Baptist. Okay. And I thought this guy was like a physical specimen, like ran like a deer. He must've like, in my mind, he must've been like, you know, seven feet tall, 300 pounds right. of raw steel, um, just like loud. And, and he was always talking about how good he was at baseball. I'm sure he was. Right. But, um, that's what I knew about that league. I was like, Oh, Cal Baptist is that league. That's a school. But you know, my radar was like, UC Irvine, Santa Barbara, SC. When I was little, I was like, we were big SC football, basketball, baseball fans. Right. That was like the school. Now it's like, we want everything, everything against SC. Like, <laughs> we don't like the culture. We want them to not perform well. We want to, you know, we love beating big schools. Like, sure. I like that attitude, you know, chippy on our, chip on our shoulders. We beat the best. It's great. Um, so but you I got, find yourself at Vanguard? Yeah, I got a chance to go there as a recruiter walk-on. Okay. Did, and he's like, you're so good academically. It's You're, you're going to get some award there, and then we'll see what happens, you know, athletically. Okay. And I was like, cool. No one else is lobbying for me to go to school. I thought in high what school, like, if you're good enough, someone will, hey, hey, we want you. 
I didn't know the whole, you know, ad, put yourself in the best position to be advertised. Scene. Right. And it's an industry now, you know. Yeah. Oh God, it's, yes. It's just a huge industry. And we had no idea how to navigate that. Um, so no one told me, like, I was good enough. And you just get to in your head, like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Right. I got to play my freshman year halfway through the year and started. So all four years I became like a contributor and every year I got better, like tons better, like so much better. I was on like a draft board my senior year. Um, Cause and, you're playing. It's yeah, amazing playing, what happens when you start playing and also getting bigger and stronger. And so that was like the key. Like I was good enough on the skill wise. I can always play defense. I was like a great baseball brat. Never struck out, executed well, like a steal. I was a good base runner, played good defense, all that good, good, like that's a baseball player. Right. And um, I always felt like I was passed on like, we'll take a, we'll take a projection. Right. Projectable we'll take the player. Six, guy. Totally. He might strike out a lot, totally. but he's six, three. Totally. Yeah. He <laughs> passes the eye test for sure. Right. Well, that's it. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I want to be a little better on that end. And I remember like we had this dumpy weight room that was at Vanguard University. It was like a rec center, but only had dumbbells up to like 60 pounds. It was like the highest one. No, no college style training, you know, it was just right. like leftover weights from the seventies or whatever. Right. Rusted out. And I, you know, first week of school, like I'm going to go train with our upperclassmen that I met on my recruiting visit that were nice to me. They were cool with me. And I remember them like we were bench pressing and they were like bench pressing the 60s, like repping out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll, I can never do that. <laughs> and so I was like, I, I would love to do that. How dare you yeah. touch that 65 yeah, I was like, pounds? I would love to get, a, I, I want to get to the varsity side. Now, had you done zero weight training when a, you were a, enough in, in high, high school? school? Just enough to be exposed okay. to like some competency. Okay. But, but now it, not a it's structured plan. Yeah. Right. And we didn't like, at Vanguard, you didn't have a strength conditioning program to help guide the athletes through development. Right. So it's on like leaning on an upperclassman who knows what they're doing and kind of in the rec center. Yeah. Kind of like following good examples like that guy. Is, that's a good example of. So uh, was it like that for your four years? Just, just you for the that first 65 two. Pound just for the first two, you know. OK. Um, we got a new coach. He's now a friend of mine. His name is Scott Maloney, who came in and he was a volunteer coach at like the unpaid assistant at Michigan. Oh, okay. So coming from like a program that has support staff to right. develop players. Right. So that must've been a shock to the system for him from Michigan oh, totally. to Vanguard. It's all about resources and having limited and having to do more things, you know, at that level. Right. That's hard. Um, and to have to try to make an immediate impact on the program that could be challenging. Wow. So he built a relationship with a, um, uh, physical therapy clinic that, that had like a, um, a branch of sports performance training called, okay. it was uh, restore physical therapy. They're still around in the area. Uh, John Horsley like, owns that, that space and, um, has a few, uh, PT clinics out in Southern California. And he had a strength conditioning department led by a mentor of mine. His name is Paul Cater. Paul Cater was a former running back, UC Davis, like high energy, great hair guy, <laughs> huge muscles, like just knew about strength training. So we would go to their shop early in the morning and strength train. And I was like, this is great. Like this is Did awesome. your body take to it? Yeah, this is awesome. I think I started college at 145 pounds. I left college at 185 pounds. Okay. And like my upperclassmen teammates would say like, oh, 
like you went from flaring balls over the shortstop to driving balls in the gap, maybe punching somehow. Like that was like, like the progression. Right. Like that's a great compliment. Right. That's awesome. And uh, my best friend, and uh, he was a catcher, or one of our catchers. Uh, he said like you squeezed out every last bit of potential <laughs> out of your body. So I, I remember those things. And I think like I was also in the exercise science space. So I was, as I was finishing school, I had to do an internship and did an internship with, with that strength and conditioning side with Paul Cater. Okay. He went on to his own shop now in Monterey, but he also was my, our big league strength coach with the Baltimore Orioles. So um, that kind of centralized my focus in on the academic side to what I could do after baseball was work with the athletic population. And, and uh, what was that moment that made you click and think, Oh, I see. There is something afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as was, you get it, was there one? As you get into your senior year, you start to realize like there's a sense of urgency. Like I better have some plan, plan right? Because playing is potentially done, right? It's ending in a couple. And of for weeks. a lot of people, it's like all done, right? There's a small percentage right. where it's not done um, at all the levels, whatever. And so, like putting it on yourself, like. If you're strong, uh, strong academically, I need to, I, I spent all this time investing in like this area of focus. I would like to concentrate on this area of focus as a profession, but I would like to do it in a capacity where it didn't feel like I was working hard at it. Right. Because I had jobs that I did not like to do in college. My first summer I worked as a, like a, a tire loader for a tire or a truck company. Okay. That sucked. Right. Like it was like <laughs> a, the worst like manual labor job. Uh, I worked at like a, a farmer's market and sold cherries at a farmer's market. I had to wake up like at four in the morning and drive to all the different farmer's markets all over Southern California oh, over boy. the summertime. Yeah. That was not fun. Like I was like, I would love to do something long-term that would elicit like some, something that I can live off of, but also something that doesn't feel like a job. Right. So sports never felt like a job working at it never felt like a job. How can I, Okay, find the a, yeah, find an avenue for that. So, um, you know, I wanted to work in the performance capacity with athletes. At the time, it was like youth athletes. And it just kind of graduated into working with a population that I knew more about and cared about, which is like baseball. Right. So that kind of drove my career focus. I, I want to work in the performance space with a population that I think is like fun to be around and I care about and know enough about to have a good experience. So with all the places that I've been, you know, all the universities and, and athletic programs or, um, you know, organizations like the angels and, and with the Boris Corp, that was like my driving force, like really caring about that population and seeing them do well. And that created great experiences and relationships that allowed me to get to Fullerton and, and do it here. Right. So where do you go those first couple of years? Um, right after college. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go to grad school right away. I was uh, just kind of making money in three different places. I was giving hitting lessons okay. in Fountain Valley at like this place called Five Star Sports Academy. Just, you know, taught kids how to hit off the tee and, right. and learn how to put together a competent swing. Um, and then doing like speed agility classes. That's, right. that's not hard to organize with the youth population. Right. It's like fatty training. It's like, okay, so the ladder's out, so the cone's out. It's not, it's not real dialed in work. It's like fluff work. Right. You know? Um, 
And then I got into working at a facility called Synergy Training Centers. Now they're called Stark Performance. And it was a general pop private facility with, you know, strength conditioning professionals that would take youth athletes, professionals, CEOs, whatever, in Orange County. And they would work out two, three times a week. And um, it was a personal training industry. And because of my academic background and athletic background, um, I would work with the athletic population, the high school athletes. Right. You know, and that was fun. And it was, you know, navigating from a hitting lesson to a personal training session, going like to Newport Beach, Fountain Valley, Huntington Beach, all, you know, all over. Right. Um, Doing this driving But triangle. it was like I didn't have a family or kids and out of college, I was still living with my two best friends like on Main Street, Huntington Beach. Like it was <laughs> great. Like this, right. this is cool. I'm making just enough to like, it can't get better. Look, than do this. what I like. Right. Yeah. I don't have any bills. Right. This is awesome. Um, eventually did that for about a year. Uh, another good mentor of mine is Brad Davison. He was running the strength conditioning department at the time, uh, did a, like a strength conditioning education course in okay. Chicago with someone who kind of drives, um, my knowledge background about strength conditioning. His name is Charles Poliquin. Charles Poliquin recently passed away. He um, is like the father of a branch of really capable strength conditioning professionals. And the former director of strength conditioning, Jim Krumpos, um, was at that same seminar and he was just hired as the strength conditioning director at Fullerton uh, back in the 2007 an eight year, I want to say. Right. It was the year when Irvine and Fullerton were both in the in World, World Series, Series at the yep. same time. They played like that that, mm -hmm. that marathon game. Oh. And um, yeah. like, I love college baseball. I love the brand that they play. And at the highest level, I just thought like, those guys are so good. Like, and growing up in Orange County, Southern California, like, we'd be playing, our friends would be playing at Fullerton. So we'd go watch them on, you know, we didn't play on a Sunday. We might watch right. them on a Sunday or whatever. And so like, these guys are just great players. So that brand was like awesome, right? Like the pinstripes are awesome. The brand of baseball they play, like is my, I can get behind it. Sure. They work hard. They're disciplined. They don't look like they ever mess up. You know, like they, when you're <laughs> yeah. mind, they're larger yeah. than life, right? Sure, absolutely. They're the Titans. They're, right. Yeah, they're well coached. You would have given your arm to play yeah, here. Yeah, totally. Right. Totally. Um, so he, being the director, needed some support staff. So he hired a full or a part-time assistant coach who was a former track athlete um, who just finished up his master's, and he needed a graduate assistant. So grad school wasn't even on my radar, and grad assistant programs are very competitive across the country. It's just like getting into college right. coaching on the baseball side. It's super competitive. It's about who you know and who's going to trust you and giving you a chance. And he didn't know anybody in the area. So he was leaning on a reference and I didn't know how competitive it could be. <laughs> and so we're already in August starting that year when Dave Serrano took over and, right. and Coach and Horton left yep. to Oregon and um, he needed a grad assistant to fulfill, you know, working with all the programs. I said, I'll ask Jim if I'll do it. And he called me. He's like, if you can get into grad school, you got it. He's like, are your grades good? I was like, they're 
very good. Yeah. The grades are more than capable. And um, school was already starting. And then right now it would be unheard of to get into grad school so late in the game. Right. right? And the grad program at Fullerton for Shane the conditioning or, or kinesiology is really competitive. So they turn down capable people all the time. Right. And so populated because, you know, it propels you to be in the conversation of getting good positions in the field. And it prepares you to even academically and network wise to create some, you know, branches wow. to get in the, in, in the field. So like just what you need, you naive, my naive right. self was like, ah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'm <laughs> in. I like working with sports. How hard can it be? <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and I worked at a level that was like two at a time, maybe three at a time. I get into my first session with Jim and Jim, He's now the director of Olympic sports at University of Arizona. I think he's an athletic director now for overall performance, like promote it, okay. promote it, promote it. He's really excellent at his job. And I learned a ton from him. It's one of those branches of education, you know, um, a mentor of mine, but his presence is way different than mine. Loud, energetic, barrel chested, in your face, will slap you. Right. So I get in that environment. Dustin Garneau's on the team. Uh-huh. Like, we have some physical guys like Jared Clark's on the team. Chris Davis is there. Um, some guys who really like to work yeah, out. Yeah. They're like, these yeah. guys are huge. Like they're bigger than right. when I see them on TV, you know, <laughs> and this room weight room is at the bottom of the stadium. It's rusted out. It's a sweat box in August. The music is so loud and it's like Dustin's music. And he likes like Slipknot, <laughs> Pantera, like screamo music. And like, whoa, my gosh, like, what is going on? Like, he's yelling at, like, everybody commanding that room with, you know, the fall, you might carry 40 guys. And they all kind of got to know what's going on or someone's going to get hurt. And I remember, like, getting in there. He's like, all I want you to do is take care of these four freshmen that are problems for me. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, like, my first experience in a dialed in college environment, right? We get to conditioning. We have um, Christian Cologne is a freshman, throws up in conditioning. Um, Gary Brown. Gary Brown's a freshman. He throws up during conditioning. Um, they did like a stadium run. Jake Silverman is on the team. He like jumps off of the stadium stairs to like make time so that the team doesn't have to run more. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> we're going to send someone to the hospital. And like the coaches are watching conditioning like they love to do at the time. It's way different now. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, and they're just like loving it. Right. Like, this is nuts. They want to see their Spartans just going crazy yeah. at each other. Yeah. Right? Warriors. Yeah. I remember one one semester we had some guys that maybe did too much extracurricularly on a Friday night uh-huh. for a Saturday lift. And it was supposed to be an important lift. And the whole day was committed to like reinforcing some behavioral things on the football, on the makeshift football field. It's like, man, this is a, this is a tough environment. Oh yeah. So it definitely teaches, it taught me um, some good strategies to drive training for teams. Right. Right. Some good, some, some skills that were good, some skills that weren't as good. Some things that work, some things that don't work. That's how I got into collegiate training. And here you find yourself years later. Yeah. Yeah. Not in the ship. But I still talk to all those, you know, seven, oh eight, oh nine alumni, alumni games. Right. They're, they're now, they're close in age to me. One of the player, Komatsu was a teammate of mine, my right. senior year of Van, at Vanguard. He was a freshman. We were on the same team. So he got there the next year, the oh eight, oh nine year when they went to Omaha. Right. Um, and, uh, he was very, very good at Vanguard. Very good. 
Like shouldn't have been at Vanguard. Some, yeah, sometimes those kids slip through, mm-hmm. right? Went to junior college, went to Camarillo High School, or went to Oxnard Community College, was drafted, went to Fullerton. And they're like, you played with this guy? Like, this guy does not work hard. And they, he became, you know, the same level as all these great players. Right. right? And, and I, that stuck with me too. Like, I like to, at the beginning of the offseason, say, hey, show of hands if you are all area code, all conference were drafted. Right. Everyone raises their hand. Like, not everyone's going to play. Right. And not everyone's going to get drafted. So they are, there's, some, there's some shaft, you know, throwing out here. You oh, know? yeah. So that was cool to be able to use that. And because he started to really dive into the work side and became, like, someone who's not fast to being fast. Right. And he got the big leagues. Sure. That is great. Yeah. That is awesome. Five, five, eight and a half, five, nine guy with real pop getting the big well, leagues. As we sit here and talk talk today, Scotty Hurst yeah, got called absolutely. up for the Cardinals. I just, I, Same I team as Eric. I messaged him yesterday. Yeah. Um, and he said, thank you for all of your help. Because I always, I love encouraging those little guys. Right. And if I know you're a good baseball player, I'm going to like – I'm going to endorse you in the weight room. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like, look at this good baseball player who's also really good in the weight room. Everyone be like him. Right. Everyone do what he's doing. And when they, um, you know, pre-COVID when all of our minor leaguers would come through the door, same thing. Look at, look at my grown-up baseball boys, right. right? These are like, they're men now. They handle themselves like pros. Like, act like them. You'll make money. Yes. And that's fun to see and to implement and to do and to drive that culture. Before, it was more like driving that. And now I get to like... They know it. They know. They know I'm a, I'm a piece to that development. I get more like, yes, coach. No, yeah, like, I got it. And you don't have to call him. Co- like, I don't. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't feel 36. <laughs> I feel like I'm still like 25. And right. I feel like, especially when you get around them. Yeah. Like, don't you don't have to call me coach? Like right. But I can communicate. You eat that, up their youth because it's just oh, like yeah, oh yeah, being awesome. around a bunch of 18 year olds. It's awesome. And like uh, someone's asked me like, do you like college over pro? And I said I love pro, I love pro sports like. Don't get me wrong. It's cool. And you can say the same thing. Like, yeah, when you're in the stadium during BP and the lights are on and, and uh, the music's blaring and the, and the, like the screens are on, you're like, this is awesome. Like, right. This is first class. This is great. Yeah. But for what I get to do, I get to be the expert and to really teach someone how to get better and to see it happen instead of like take five, six months for them to like, Hey, do you trust me now enough to listen to Right. There's so, been some results. Do yeah, you understand? Yeah. Yeah. And like a guy like Scotty Hurst getting in the big leagues and guys knocking down the door like Connor Siebold and Brett Kanine. Like that only speaks more to like right. what we get to do. Thomas Estrelman being like when he was here as a freshman and, you know, I think his first week I kept calling him by the wrong name. Like he's like, hey, my name is Thomas Coach. All right, I'll, I'll figure it out. You just you just keep working hard. <laughs> yeah, you just do your yeah, thing, kid. I'll, I'll figure it out, yeah. rookie. No problem. I have three hundred kids <laughs> yeah, in here. Yeah. I got a lot of guys that I need to know. Yeah. You see that guy Matt Chapman over there? I got to worry about him too right. because he's a crazy man walking through this way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get to it, Thomas. Yeah, I'll, yeah Thomas, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I got or it. Tom, Can whatever I just call I'm you red? Yeah. it's too hard. It's too many syllables. Um, but another guy like acted like a pro right away and having that experience like working at the Boris Corp and working at, at the Angels you see like who's a professional right. what do professionals do how do they stay in the game the longest and now you can teach that skill and you can recognize it or you can encourage it and teach that habit so you see those guys that are the best players that have that habit already in hand 
that's the sweet spot. You just highlight those guys, let them lead the charge, and your team dynamic becomes way better. Right. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, I don't know, it's like to you know, hear these stories and talk about health, was a statistic that I read that 42% of people have put on 30 pounds in the last year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So for someone like you who deals with athletes and health and strength and you want it to be a, a long-term thing, you don't want it to be a four-year thing for uh-huh. these kids. So when you see them in 10 years, five years, they're still healthy. They're still staying totally. strong. What like advice or plan do you give to somebody like starting out who wants to start weight training mm-hmm. like Monday. Mm-hmm. It's been a year. I've sat on the couch. Yeah. I've watched everything mm-hmm. on Netflix and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Where does someone start? Um, successful habits, like putting yourself in a position to be successful long-term. Uh, let's talk about like one of the things people want to do, like when they want to train, they also want to eat better. Right. And they look at things like I should be eating this. I shouldn't be eating this. And they try to make, you know, they take everything out of their out of their pantry. They go buy all like grass fed organic. <laughs> right. They go to farmers markets. They buy like the the best produce, right. and it rots in their fridge or it rots <laughs> in their pantry because they do too much too soon. And the same thing with training. Like you do too much too soon, you can't you can't do that every single day for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Like over time, you can eventually get there, but you don't have to do it right away in day one or day 30, you can make little tiny adjustments to get to 360 degrees and you can do it two degrees at a time. Um, we like to use like 2% better every week that we train. Right. Um, and it's the same, it's the same with like forming a habit. So if it's training that you want to get better at going from zero frequency to some frequency is good. Going from some mode of exercise from zero is good. Like, you're, you're in control of what you can do well. Like some people are really good at writing it down, having a plan, being organized. Some people are more spontaneous and need like, as they feel they're going to do. Uh, is, ma- is mapping out a plan a good thing? I think in general, it'll, it'll do more good than harm. Just have an idea of like, my week's going to look like this. If I want to give myself opportunity to improve my wellness, I could start by organizing. I'm going to commit to more sleep because I repair tissue when I sleep. I can lower stress levels when I sleep. I will have more energy to do the things that I want to do. So that could be a goal. Just look at my sleep quality. Okay. I can commit to drinking more water or drink zero calories or have zero calories in the things that I drink. That's easy goal. And one of the tools we you know, try to implement is like drink half your body weight in ounces of water. So if I weigh 150 pounds, I can drink 75 ounces of water a day. So I can check that off. Like I can, I can be successful at those little things. You you say that stat, what is that good for? What is that? Like, what does that mean? Uh, As we drink less water, our brain and our body is like a semiconductor for electricity, right? We become less conductive and we have less opportunity for our brain to kind of synapse with movement quality okay. and to excite motor unit activation. If we're talking about performance, right. from a general wellness perspective, if we're taking zero calories from things we drink, we're not gonna drink like a soda right. no. or, or alcohol, right. Beer, which can inhibit wine, sleep. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're giving ourselves opportunity for better bodily function and like lowering risks of 
you know, consuming extra calories that we don't need. Right. Yeah. That's a good trick. Yeah. Um, uh, so should it be something like, let's say you're a 35 year old married couple on your side. You know what? We've sat on our ass long enough. Mm -hmm. Let's spend the first week we walk yeah. three miles a day. Totally. Yeah. So like, take an inventory of what, how that, how did it feel? Was it easy to do? Was it, um, was it arduous? Did it, uh, take away from like, uh, was it so overwhelming that you, you know, you had to work so hard at it every single day? So Sore, maybe a little yeah, less, yeah. maybe do a little less. Pains, like, whatever. Yeah. So if, if that was good and you want to increase frequency, how can you increase frequency that you can do consistently? How can you increase intensity that you can do frequently? It's all about like, what can you do well, not just in the week you're going to try it, but in the year, maybe have a 60 day goal, maybe have a year long goal or work from, you know, small to big, um, and anything that you do, whether it's cleaning up your nutrition and your lifestyle habits, sleep, hydration, whatever, right. stress, wellness, um, to training, um, training is improvement over time, long-term. So anything is better than nothing to start, you know, creating habits takes time and discipline. And over time, it's not as hard anymore. So, you know, attainable habits little by little become big impacts in your, in your general wellness. Um, what if somebody now wants like, okay, I want to start lifting. I want yeah. to get stronger. Yeah. I'm a 35 year old, again, couple, yeah. neither one of us have zero muscle tone. Yeah. What do we got to do? I think like there's so much access now to do stuff with nothing. You know, if you have no equipment, there's no excuses to, to find something that, you know, is a great guide and tool. There's this guy on YouTube, his name is Marcus Philly and he does um, functional bodybuilding. He also does like a body weight workout that you can have access to. And it's like, so. And body weight means yeah, just, just you, you and your body. Just you. Yeah. Yeah. If you want, if you need a plan, there's tons of push up re yeah, reference points to do. Yeah. And there's tons of ways to scale it up for injury or uh, injury history or strength levels. Um, but think about like, what do you have access to? What can you commit to? And, you know, again, like what can you do consistently if you don't like to go to the gym and you'd rather do it at home and you have tons right, of you have kids commitments? Yeah, totally. How can you scale up body weight with equipment you have around the house? Like, can you commit to 20 minutes a day for three days a week? And then can you commit to 30 minutes a day after a month to three days a week? Or can you commit to four days a week? Like that's doable. Right. Now, if you start lifting weights, mm -hmm. is there something you should start eating or not eat? I, I think like in terms of eating, not eating, it's like put it on a spectrum. You know, there isn't like yes and no. There's more like do it less or do it more. Right. So I love the idea. And I learned this in the precision nutrition course that I took this uh, during COVID. I got to really dial that in with our athletes. Like think of it as a spectrum. When we eat, you want to go from... If we're eating a lot of processed foods, try to find ways to make those foods less processed. So if you are eating like... Uh, Bags of chips. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? If that's like your staple carbohydrate at lunchtime with a sandwich, how can I turn that into less processed? Maybe I can have like uh, sweet potato fries okay. instead of a bag of processed potato chips that I can prepare myself, which is actually the potato. Right. And I can cut it up, put it in the oven, in the, mic, or the, uh, the oven and bake it. And I have like a 
preferable carbohydrate source. Right. Same thing with like our protein sources. If I, you know, if I'm eating like a um, chicken nugget, which is like a very processed form of oh, chicken, yeah. and the other side would be like uh, uh, free range, step four, whole foods, like $30 chicken breast. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so in some way, like a happy medium in between. Sure. Like I'm going to make significant progress on not only like my wellness quality, but if I, my goals are compositional too, like I'm not going to store more body fat if I'm eating less processed stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, another trick we like to use is like, I want to get bigger and stronger. Well, I need to facilitate nutritionally things that are going to help garner that too. So if I want to put on more lean tissue, then I'm going to want to eat more lean tissue and favor less processed versions of those things. Right. Right. And also I'm going to want to eat more than I'm going to spend on a calorie perspective. So I really like using like for our skinny athletes, eat 120% full. So you sit down and you eat and just practice the skill of eating 20% more. It doesn't have to be measured, but it, it's easy. It's as easy as like, I'm done eating. Oh, I got to eat a little more. And on the inverse side, eat 80% full. If we're trying to work at a caloric deficit Mm -hmm. for general pop, maybe most like most of our athletes need to eat more calories because the expenditure rate in school is higher than the consumption rate. Right. So in the off season, like they, they do a really good job, like putting on more mass, but in the, during the school year, there's more practice and there's more training and more school stuff. And there's less time. The expenditure is higher, but the consumption stays the same. So they lose muscle mass. Sure. So that's a, that's an issue. Now you hear a lot of, and you said it calories, but is there also a formula for protein, right? Cause if you're putting on muscle, you want protein. Yeah. So I, again, right? I, I keep referring like the same thing. Right. But like if, you're the the regular, if you're yeah. a regular couple, average Joe, like right. I like the, um, have a steak? I like the hand portion measurement okay. tool. So instead of like putting on a scale and knowing that there is, um, for every, uh, gram of protein, there's like four calories and having to measure like your macros, like your macronutrients, like right. your, your protein, your carbohydrate, and your fat intake. Um, having an idea of what's a balanced plate and like what sizes to use. So for protein, the precision nutrition like guidelines, like use a palm size. So females tend to need like a palm size of protein. That's easy to see. Like this is the palm size portion of salmon, palm size portion of steak, whatever. Right. Most males maybe two palm sizes, depending on how big or small you are. Right. Um, for carbohydrates, is a cup size. Okay. And people that need more fuel, like athletes, need more hand cup sizes. Fats, thumb size. Okay. So it's like a teaspoon, tablespoon. Right. It makes it easier. And uh, I think uh, like fruits and vegetables, like fists. Okay. So it gets it easier to know, like, of the thing, of the macronutrients that I'm providing, instead of, like, banging my head against the wall, measuring them all. Right. You know, what's more important is like the quality. So are you eating enough food and are you eating processed food versus unprocessed food? Right. And right. that'll check an inventory of that. And that might give you the results you want already. Sure. That's like a level one skill. They call it level one skills. So counting macros and timing nutrients and like being really exact. That's like a level two skill. That's like someone who needs to compete on a stage. Right. Look the part or get ready for a movie or 
like plays right. they're sculpting yeah their or body. plays a sport where it's weight dependent like mm-hmm. weightlifting like, or yeah. judo right and they need or a fighter right they need a cut mm-hmm. like those are really deliberate skills that most of our general pop and athletes only need level one skills yeah and they'll work right yeah you will you will elicit the results you want He's, it's it seems like way more digestible too. Like yeah. you overwhelm someone with like data points and account like those factors for accountability, they might like uh, you know what this is hard. Right, I don't need all that. Yeah, but there are people who are nutrition coaches who are way better at this than I do. That have way more way more skills on how to keep you accountable. You know, infographics about what to eat, when to eat, all that stuff. Sure. You know, checking in with you and maybe making a food log or a food diary or setting like I did this through COVID um, with with some of our baseball guys. It's like every week I give them like a goal, like do one thing differently this week and make it a habit. Some it was like first just start by eating breakfast. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest one for athletes, too, is like the time I wake up just for the first thing that I need to do, which is like train or class i don't wake up to fuel or i don't have anything prepared to fuel so my decision is based on the time i have available so it's either nothing or not good fuel. right bad food yeah so that sets up as a foundation better decisions for the fuel that we're gonna have throughout the day right yeah what's the biggest mistakes beginners make in strength training um like load over proficiency like mostly with guys, it's like load. It's like I want. Is that an ego thing? I, I'm gonna bench or squat I think as much as I dri- can. I guess it just drives like your, um, like what you feel was effective through training. Like I, I moved a lot of weight, but like foundationally, it's and this guy uses it all the time. He's the strength and conditioning coach uh, at TCU's in Zacticant. Really, really good strength coach for baseball. He works with Kirk Sarlos, who's a you know. Um, an alum of ours and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, another, um, you know, really good assistant coach over there. And, um, he, he has a book called movement over maxes and it's like movement quality is important because it establishes like technical proficiency to load. So that's important. Whatever the exercise selection that we're going to use and we want to rehearse like good movement quality, movement practices, we want to do it effectively and technically. And then we can, elicit a intensity response that's going to give us an overload and, and garner strength development or power development, whatever. Right. So the way we organize the training is similar. Like we want our athletes to have an, an expertise foundation in a menu of exercise selection that will garner, garner um, you know, multi-joint, uh, big motor unit response. So you might see it as like a squat, a deadlift, a bench press, a chin up, an incline press, um, uh, another really good strength coach, Stefan Kezalti, runs the Kilo Strength Society. He has like these prime eight, primary eight exercises that he thinks are like foundational to learn. Okay. So it's the dip, the overhead press, the deadlift, the bench, the incline press, um, the chin up, uh, the front squat, uh, the squat. So if you learn all those and are really technically proficient in those and you're using assistance work to get better at those, um, no matter their method or speed of movement, it'll you'll have garner good development so like the faster we move it it might be in the olympic weightlifting family or the plyometric family so if you you know if you have a favorable menu that you're technically good at right you can tap into advanced methods that are going to elicit a response that's favorable whatever it is whether it's you know compositional development hypertrophy fat loss strength power 
all those. But you got to have a competency to train. Sure. Our, our job is to teach the, cra- the training competency. Right. And then we can layer it with tricky, cool methods that look that look the part. But, you know, a lot of the skills that we try to implement are, aren't like outside of just the basics. Right. So for beginners, is it a better for free weights or machines? Uh, I think in a lot of circumstances, the free weights are going to elicit like good good movement quality. Okay. Um, certain goals are better served with machines. Sure. Yeah. Like, they just are. Like, you have the propensity to use more reps with a leg press than you can in a squat pattern okay. without injury, right? Or without uh, pattern overload. Um, uh, you know, I would say like we, we, we blend it. You know, our primary exercise selection, the big multi-joint movers are like free weight pace. Right. Same thing with assistance mostly. Mm-hmm. And our single joint exercises, the one that are going to hammer like um, – uh, single joint uh, that are going to elicit like repetitive work for getting someone more massive or 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 making a change in the muscle. A, a free a machine is awesome. Right. Yeah. With now youth sports just exploding, it's a money maker. Mm-hmm. When you and I were kids, like like I rode my bike oh, to totally. practice. Now it's it's such a money maker. When, in your opinion, do you think kids should start lifting? Wait, yeah. boys and girls. Yeah, I think because like girls never used to oh, work totally, out. Totally. And I, I have this reference too. Like when I first started as a graduate assistant at Fullerton, there's no like CrossFit. Yeah. So there's no like advertising people training via social media or like, you know, that is a sport mm-hmm. and like it's socially acceptable for all genders to train their tails off. Right. And get big and strong. Right. Like we could see it. It's cool. It's glorified. It's, it is, it is promoted compliance and training at the collegiate level. Like I have way less resistance about strength training for all my female sports. And they're all they're like really good tra- strength athletes in the weight room. Right. They listen, they try everything technically well, they work hard, they're organized in their skill training. And um, 30, 30 years ago, they might've come in kicking and screaming. Wait, yeah, totally. Like there's no reason for us I, to be, I don't want to do this. I'm yeah. going to get big. Like all the, I don't want to get all big the and myths strong. of training. Right. Yeah. And like, we get those a little bit, but not as much as when I was like 23 years old, right. a graduate assistant trying to explain to them, like, you don't have the genetic potential to get as big as like someone with a different chromosome than you right. and a hormonal pool that's and way different. Than and you. what you're doing is not trying to get them oh, to totally. have All a we want giant you to just, biceps. We just want you to get better for sports. We want right. you to be able to jump higher, run faster and, and be more resistant to injuries. So the things that you do special showcases every single day. Right. Like for volleyball. If I can, you know, if I can get a middle blocker to jump top end every time, they might have a, more opportunity to touch a ball than, right. you know, sit over the net. Yeah. Especially yeah. from the first minute yeah, she plays totally. to the last minute. For baseball players, it might be something that can hit 95 five times instead of one time. Right. Yeah. So when should kids start lifting weights? I think um, learning the skill set of weight training as movement base and getting rehearsal of like a pattern of training, a squat pattern, a lunge pattern, a hinge pattern, a pressing pattern, a push up, a pull pattern. You could do that anytime, right? There's, there isn't a ton of literature that, that supports that whole like platelet, like, like fusing. Right. It's a, it's an old Harvard myth. It's just train smart, train smart, train progressively, be organized, do the most, or the, use the least path of resistance. Don't use more methods when one will get it done, right? Don't use tricky methods when the basics will get it done. Sure. Yeah. I think like at the youth 
they look up and see like, look at what LeBron James is doing. Look what Mike Trout does on the off season training side. We should be doing that. Well, their their nervous system is way more synchronized than yours. Their physical development is way further away than yours. Mm -hmm. That they can do tons of interesting things that wouldn't benefit you yet, or maybe you're not going to be that that genetic anomaly right. yet. But if we learn the basics of training and good patterns of training. It's adaptable for development. We'll get, we will get better. We'll get stronger. It'll be a synergist. To I mean, I mean, you know this. Everybody's body's different. Like when I was with the Angels, they would always have to keep Howie Kendrick under wraps because oh, totally. they said if he used to lift weights, he would end up looking like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Where everybody else had to lift weights, and you totally. give him like two months in the weight room, and TJ would be like, "Jesus, uh, totally, Howie, totally, totally, put the brakes on, man." Um, uh, me and Blake Hawksworth, who's a former pitching coach of ours, yeah, we're yeah. just talking about Scotty Hurst. Like Scotty will look at a weight and blow up. Like he's he's just, just like the way so his adaptive is. to training. Same with our basketball players. Like they're so adaptive to training. Like their genetic potential is like so high, and their nervous system is so good that like they can train something that'll take them like thirty minutes to do. It'll take them like ninety minutes to do, and they'll still get the development out of it. It's incredible. Like that's what that's the some of the athletes we're working with right here. Right, right. not all of them. Right. And, and not all of them have a tremendous training background, but we get we get some genetic potential that we sure. get to play with. Um, have there been some athletes that come through and you're like, ooh, this kid's going to be fun? Oh, uh, Lorenzen. Like, Lorenzen is, is the same as like, hey, Mike, like, maybe – Maybe don't put yourself at risk with that <laughs> exercise. And he's like, he had to tell me when I was a younger coach and I wasn't as good at establishing like these communication strategies. Like I'm going to, I want to teach you. I was more like, I'm, I'm the authority. I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And some of those athletes aren't as responsive to that. Right. And I've gotten better at that as I've gotten older and I've learned from like methods that didn't work, whatever. Right. Um, and, you get, and they're just flat out different personalities. Different personalities. Mike is like, a neurally driven person. There's one day where he could like, his mind is set to doing something and he'll do max effort, everything. Right. And the next day he's like, eh, I'm not into that anymore. It's the same thing. Like he's trained perspective. He can go like, he's got high lows, high lows, high lows. Mm -hmm. Athletically, he's like freak, 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 freak. Freak. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, me or other athletes are like steady eddies. Right. Like little by little, get better, 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 yeah. better, better. Nice, slow, slow. Yeah. Just yeah. Keep on going. Um, like, uh, Thomas Eshelman might be like a steady Eddie. Okay. You know? um, J.D. Davis, I think, was like a steady, steady Eddie. Matt Chapman is an early driven freak. Yeah. yeah. He is like crazy special, like a Lorenzen crazy special. Right. Like, that's fun to work with. But it's also fun to see like you, you've taught them stuff too. Sure. That have aided in their development. They have a favorable experience. And now they're like doing some really cool things like on the, on the best showcase ever. And it's not like it's not about me. But I love like being a part of their journey and being a, being a positive part of the journey. So when they come back to Fullerton, like, oh, I love being at Fullerton. Like, I love the guys there. I love my coaches there. That's that's awesome. Right. Yeah. It's especially like here at Fullerton, baseball is the sport. It's the showcase between all the sports. Sure. You look at those early Augie teams in the late 70s, early 80s. None of those guys were massive. Mm -hmm. They had great mustaches. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. all had chew, mm -hmm. but nobody was ginormous. Mm -hmm. Now you get some of these guys like a Lorenzo. Yeah. He is swollen. Yeah. These guys have really taken <laughs> yeah. to getting themselves in the weight room. Yeah. And I think like, um, there's two things that like elicit that, uh, what you can see what everyone's doing now. 
across the country. Right. There's, There's no so much secrets. more access, yeah. right? Um, and the culture has is now and has always been like we are baseball rats and we have a high baseball IQ and we make other people make mistakes and it's a war of attrition for us and we're going to outlast you before you're going to make the first mistake before we do like we'll play catch we'll play defense we'll hit enough and we'll execute to to win right um now this this is my personal opinion when i look at like all these great power five conferences that have tons of physical guys like i'll look at the dugout at vanderbilt lsu tcu even ucla even usc like they get the the most physical dudes and if they can teach them how to be good baseball players like that's that's a tough lineup to get through right you know that's pretty hard to compete against so we want to be similar we still want like i know hooky wants to get the baseball players that are baseball rats and like are gutty and heady and can learn how to play the game the way he wants, but we need, we need the physicalness. Right. He wants bigger dudes. Yeah, we too. need, we need it. And we've gotten away with it sometimes earlier in like dead ball era, we pitch it good, hit it enough. Right. And now you, you need to bang it some more. You sure. Know? So in those power five conferences, you can obviously see that some of those programs are getting the benefits of a football school mm-hmm. because they're getting fuel. They're getting right. a table. They're getting a, a cafeteria. They're getting someone to travel with them and decide all their meals. They're getting right. they're getting a snack pack when they get on the plane or a bus. They're getting a, a replenishing shake before um, you know they get off the bus or before after a game. They're they're getting more tools, right? And more to, coaches, to more repair. GAs. Everybody's yeah. on them. For us, it's like it's not that we don't work hard enough or elicit the right type of training. Other teams just have better access to, to repairing. Right. That's what I think it really yeah. comes down to. Because that's really what you, you are. You repair and you get stronger and you showcase better. Yeah. That That's the difference maker, I think. What is, like, I'm, I'll be 50 this year. I still work out because mm-hmm. I got two young boys, so I'm mm-hmm. banging weights with them. Where should you start to look at weights different as you get older? Uh, train I think, more, I think train it's longevity. Heavy. I think it's like there's periods in training and it, you know, it comes in waves where you don't want to have the similar stimulus forever. Right. So right. you want the adaptation to training to still be robust. So there's times in training where, you know, higher volume, more repetitions, lighter mm-hmm. intensities are favorable for a little bit of time. You get better at that. And then it helps produce better opportunity to elicit, you know, strength gains right. with higher intensities and lower repetition. So, like we use that method, it's called an undulating method, where we'll, we'll organize training for three weeks at a time. The exercise selection will be the same from session to session to session for three weeks. If we have like three days of training, there's a day one, day two, day three lift, or four days of training, there's you know four days of organized training. And we repeat it in week two and try to repeat it at a higher capacity or a higher intensity in week three. Okay. And then we change all the parameters to training again. So we'll do exercise selection that's different and, and variables of training that's different. So we don't produce an overload, a pattern overload that might elicit a disfavorable response to training where we get a nagging injury. Right. So I think that's for general pop. I think that's one of the errors they make. They'll pick a program. They'll do the same for like all year. Just so, bang yeah, it out. Like the just, first three weeks, like, oh, this is a great workout. Like I got, I feel better. I look better. And then week four, the results aren't as good. Week five, six, seven, eight, like they're worse. 
because you're doing the same thing over and over again. Your body has full adaptation to that training. So you, you, yeah, you, 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 have, stimulus. To, you have to fool your body yeah, in a you, way. You need a new stimulus to elicit a different response to training, but also you want to train at like different expressions of the strength curve or different expressions of like joint position. So if all I do is bench press for, you know, eight straight weeks um, and I neglect maybe showing expressions of strength that like incline press, overhead press, I'm going to have like a bias in one angle because strength is angle specific. Right. So I want to create a robust variance of training. So I want to practice and organize in an organized fashion, like different approaches to all, you know, angles of extension. If, if you were looking at that. Um, but if I do it in an organized way, I can resist pattern overload and I can garner improvement. Right. So that's, that's where like our expertise as strength conditioning professionals lies in, not in like just kicking your button and, you know, feeling like oh, I had a really good workout. I feel yeah. good. Slap you it's, out the door. Yeah, see like, what, are you gonna, what are you going to do with the next hundred workouts? Right. To garner results. Cause that's, I think a lot of people forget that. Let's say they work out for an hour. What mm-hmm. are you doing the other 23 hours? Oh, a day? totally. Are you not sleeping well? Totally. Are you eating crap? Yeah, you are you sitting on the couch? You can't out train like those poor lifestyle habits. But again, like you don't want to, you don't want to initially tell someone like you're bad you're never going to do this right because you don't do this, but you do want to educate them. Like these are pathways. And this is mostly like for the 18, 19, 20 year old population, right. because like we want to get compliance. So how do we do that effectively? It's like, these are pathways to tra- This will help you train harder. If I sleep more, I'll have more energy and more focus to do good in school, to kick ass in practice and to really get the most out of my training. And if I could do all those things, well, I'm going to have development long-term. And if I layer fuel to that better quality food, then I'm also getting a favorable recovery response to getting better at all the things that are important to me for making money. Right. I think, and you just said, I think a lot of people forget sleep is one of the biggest things in the strength training. Mm -hmm. It's where you're recovering, Mm -hmm. where your body shuts down and rebuilds itself. Yeah. It's it's like, it's a, it's a free resource. You right. Know? So uninterrupted sleep is like a strategy that is like one that is a skill now. And one of the skills is like sleep in a, in a cave-like environment. So make sure the room is dark enough. If you have like electronic devices and it has like a standby light on, cover it up because it could disrupt your right. deep sleep pattern. If you have access to cooling down your room, make it really cold. You'll sleep longer. Um there, there is supplemental tools that I like to use to sleep. I'll use melatonin, magnesium, and zinc. And I'll, I'll do that about an hour before bed. It helps me sleep through the night without feeling like I can't get up in the morning. Okay. So it like regulates that um, circadian rhythm where it's like mm-hmm. your body already knows like at nighttime, it's shutdown time. Like your body right. is like organically ingrained to like uh, power down. And when the sun, and the sun comes up, your body feels more alert. Like it's just the natural... Right. Uh, alertness response so that helps me sleep through the night and like some people always say like no electronic devices one hour before bed like i don't do that right i guess that's impossible yeah i don't do that i'm I'm not amish i'm watching tv yeah i'm watching tv (laughs) to power down from like just getting crushed all day right by like being a presence for 18 year old to 19 year old high energy people you know, yeah. and then, you know, one to three year old high energy people, <laughs> yeah. like I'm going to power down the way I want to. And that's like relief for me. Give me something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to read and meditate. Like I'm not going to do that stuff. No. Yeah. So I still need to find ways to sleep uninterrupted easier when our kids sleep through the night sure. than when they don't. 
but also measurable in results. Like I, I, you know, have this story for my, my coaches and my athletes, like my kids, when they're first born, make me measurably weaker. Sure. And, and uh, we use this hand dynamometer test. So it's a grip test. And so it measures your grip strength, right? So baseball players, you measure grip strength. Mm-hmm. So let's say like they can register like 60 PSI or 60 kilo PSI. And I'll measure mine. Um, and uh, when I get good sleep, I can repeat it. When I get bad sleep, I can't even get close. Really? Yeah. Because my nervous system is like not repaired and not efficient, not ready to train. But at 20, you know, 20 years old, sure, 20. these guys are nervous freaks. Like uh, <laughs> one of the great strength coaches, Preston Green, his, his like running joke with like his 19-year-old basketball players. He's a strength coach in Florida. Really, really good one men's basketball. Um, he's like, you warmed up yet? He's like, what am I, what am I saying? You're 19. You're always warm. Yeah. Yeah. You're always ready. I'm not warm anymore. And all like, and that, that goes into like how I can relate to these older professionals that I want to work with, you know, one-on-one online remotely or whatever, like a Dustin Garneau, like those are the little edges that matter that get you ready to train. You're touching it. How important is warming up? Oh, a hundred percent. Like it pays off as you get older. And how much is warming up? 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So heart rate, there's like two methods that I like to use when we train, we warm up to get our body temperature up, right? Okay. Just to get it up. It could be anything, anything you like to do. Some guys like in the summertime, we might go shoot hoops for like five, 10 minutes. You okay. know? Hey, something fun. Right. In the team training environment, there's 40 guys. We it's organized. Looks, we're, we're army, right? We're on the cadence. We do it right. It all looks the same, right? It's discipline because that's, that's part of the culture. Sure. Right. Um, and it's 40 guys. Yeah. We want to make sure everyone has the best opportunity not to hurt themselves, you know? So our general warm up can be get the body tuned up in lots of different ways, lots of different movements. It could be a dynamic warm up where you see me do it on the field all the time with the guys. Mm-hmm. It could be in place, just movement prep. There's tons Jump of ways. Rope. Yeah. Tons of ways to do just it. Just get the blood flowing. So then whatever we're going to do for that day, we'll call it a specific warm up. That's where it matters to me the most. It's a specific to the task. So let's say I'm going to do a squat workout, right? Okay. Well, I don't want the squat to be sloppy because it's going to elicit the majority of the training session. A squat workout might take 25 minutes of my 50 minutes that I'm going to train. My assistance workout might take 15 minutes and my remedial work, whatever it's like single joint ab work, whatever. It's only going to take 10 minutes. So the biggest piece of the pie is that squat workout. It's going to elicit the biggest response because we're moving the most joints possible. We're recruiting the most nervous system recruitment possible. It's the big lift for the day, right? Right. And the way that I teach the training is like, we're going to do it A plus in the A category. It's going to be done as technically proficient as possible. It's going to look the way it's intended. The speed of movement is going to be prescribed. It's not going to be a mess. And we won't pick weights outside of the rep range because it's a cardinal sin in our weight room to miss reps in the A category. Okay. It's like against the law. <laughs> yeah. It's like against the New Testament of training. Like we do not miss reps. And I, Brandon Bobo is one of our freshmen this year. Okay. And I, I, I don't, I don't like yelling at the guys, but I love like teachable moments. Yeah. So yeah. Those I'll, are the best. I have, I have like uh, Apple TV to drive the training and I'm, I always carry the remote so I can pause it. So I don't have to yell. Like I, I don't want to be a screamer. I want to be like, I just want to talk and garner compliance. Mm -hmm. Like not because like I'm intimidating, but because I have information that's valuable and I care about you and I want to give you something that you're going to learn. You're going to change your behavior in a positive direction, you know? So like um, a category list for us is the big lift of the day. Let's say we're doing a squat workout. 
it was another one, but let's say it was the squat workout, right? And our sets to warm up was like, we always practice with the bar. And I tell them like, we're gonna practice with the bar every single time because you're gonna rehearse the movement. You rehearse the way it's intended. You're gonna feel the movement correctly. You're gonna know when it's the easiest, how to do it right. As it gets harder, you're gonna know how you can load appropriately so you can stay in that framework to do it correctly the way it's intended, right? Okay. Not out of control, not partially, like the best way possible. So that's our specific warm up. We use the barbell, we increase the weight by a little bit of percentages till we get close to our first working set. And we prescribe like four sets of four, which is like a really manageable in season volumes, like 16 total reps. It's not a high intensity right now. It's something like that we can easily like tap into. In the preseason, we might use like really extravagant set rep ranges that take some learning, like we're step loading, we're using constant loading, we're using pyramids, we tons of different stuff, right? But this one was just like simple. We're going to start at four reps. And I, I, you know, tell our freshman, let's say if we're starting at like in the rep continuum, four reps, like around 88% of what we can do one time. Right. So we usually use like a 10% window for our first set will be like 10% less than our last set. So we're our very last set will be like around what we can do truly for four times. Okay. Right. Yep. So we don't miss reps. So Still get them in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So can see spread, even though it's sub maximal, we're working like technical proficiency and we're going to get better. Like, cause the next week we'll be at a new percentage. We'll work a little bit harder. Right. So we'll be past what we can do four times. That's like the rationale, you know, and it, it's favorable for, um, having success. And so like I'm watching Brendan train and he goes like four, two, one, one, like just misses. And I was like, why are we missing reps? I was like, you only had to do 16 total reps. Now you basically did like eight. And so I paused music. I was like, Hey boys, do we ever miss reps? They're like, no, we never miss reps. I was like, Brandon, why are you missing reps? And so he just felt embarrassed. What was his excuse? He didn't have one. He's like, I always wanted to go max effort. I was like, no need to, <laughs> right? Like in the B category, you can go for broke. You can go as hard as you want. Right. Assistance work, you can push yourself. Here, like, this is the technical work. Like, this is like working on hitting a ball on a line to right center field and not worried about yanking balls and hitting foul ball homers, right. you know? Like, you're missing the opportunity to do the task and get the results you want. So, teachable moment, boys, you ever miss rest? No, no, we don't. <laughs> he was embarrassed, and he'll never forget, like, never cheat on your reps. How, yeah. how much of, I mean, it is now a word, but CrossFit, how much is that come into your weight room and the kids are doing it or seeing it before they even get to you. Less, a lot when it first started because it was like so new and innovative. Sleds, battle every, ropes, kettlebells. Yeah, on that, on that regard, like metabolic conditioning, I use those tools in the off season a bunch because it keeps us from like right. just getting buried on the track all the time. And it helps us like garner strength, like keeps us strong. So modified strongman work, like rope, sled, that right. stuff is good, good tools. Um, at the like, appropriate times of the year, you know? Sure. Um, and everybody's doing pull-ups now where nobody did pull-ups yeah, 20 years ago. I, I love chin-ups and the, like, for me, it's, it is the squat of the upper body. It is great. And I love to teach it for athletic performance instead of just like tolerance. Sure. You know? So I think it has so many good qualities for scapular rotation or scapular upward rotation and trunk development and upper body strength that elicit a favorable response to getting better, like extensor work and then getting our shoulder more capable and getting us able to swing that faster. So all of those things are great. 
So I got to teach that to be done really, really well. CrossFit might have influenced like the importance of like repetitive work there, but I want to use it as a as an like to elicit sports performance. So there's some like some educational opportunities to show like what the goals are and how they're a little different. Um, I love how CrossFitters have influenced training. Just train hard. Right. Train hard. Now I get to teach you how to train smart. You know? Yeah. CrossFit has influenced like it's okay to train hard and go all out. But now I can like guide that in in a you know to train smart and push yourself at the same time where you have longevity in training. It's a complement to your skill development. It doesn't interrupt you from being on the field. Right. I mean, I don't care what they call it as long as I see people getting out and moving. Mm, yeah, totally. Right. Uh, so yeah. Motion is lotion. And it, you need it has that in your created joints. like such a better um, response to our industry. Right. Yeah. Like it has created like an acceptance to training, right. working hard or getting in the gym or getting outside and doing stuff. So I don't have any like, I don't have any like disagreements with what it's done. For the, I, I think it's cool. And I just, I, I feel like I know better on how to implement some of those tools right. at the appropriate time for development or conditioning, you know. Have you ever worked out with anybody like a senior or do you have any advice for people that are senior age lift and they want to lift or like senior high school? No, eight senior, oh, 65 uh, a senior plus. citizen. Yeah. Um, I did it in the private sector. Um, and like, again, there's ways to scale up, scale down movement quality move. It's the same. Right. You know, it's like, cause I, I read a lot where you can have so many less injuries to the senior citizen oh, totally. community. If like, they have muscle strength uh -huh. that obviously your body starts to lose as you get older. Yeah, it'll, uh, it'll prepare you, um, from being more resilient to falls. Yes. Um, hip, like hip and, and head re injuries and recovery are, from bone injury. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's tons of ways to scale up and down by ability and just having like, a, if you're going to work with a professional, work, work with someone who like can plan and scale it to your needs based on like your assessment. Right. Like where are you, what's your injury history? What's your health history? What's your um, exercise tolerance? You know, all those things like someone who is a professional should be able to organize something that you can do well. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think like, Everyone will always benefit from making better adjustments on the spectrum of nutrition. Yes. And, and macro and micronutrient uh, adjustments. Like micronutrient level for us. Like I love to teach our guys like macronutrients, carbs, uh, fats, and proteins. Like how to, how to get enough in the right kind. That's the – and sleep and hydration. That's like level – one, that's the cement, you know? Right. And then um, the next one to maximize the results from those would be like micronutrients. So filling in the gaps, maybe you don't eat, eat a, a high frequency of certain um, fruits or vegetables that would give you like a profile of uh, vitamins and minerals that you need. Okay. Um, and, or you're an athlete and the athletic, um, population like utilizes these minerals and are deficient in them because they move a lot. Right. Right. Like magnesium, zinc, vitamin D, um, a good multivitamin and, uh, and a good anti-inflammatory, like a good omega-3 are like foundational to get the most out of 
higher quality food that you're going to eat. And then from like to get better at, um, and, and maybe like a probiotic. I like, I like the, the, I'm learning more about like positive gut flora influencing resistance to illnesses. Oh, okay. And then also like better digestive tracking. Sure. Yeah. So those are like ones that I really like to say, like, that's another level that you can explore if level one is good. Um, and if you really want to harbor like the edges of edges, when it comes to training, like they're, they're safe, well-researched, um, intra training supplementation that'll drive the training in a positive direction. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, for like beginners, neural like- drive, right? There's tons of literature on like caffeine and influences neural drive in like, uh, readiness to train focus. Like it's the idea, like I, I feel hazy or groggy in the morning. I drink good coffee. I have clarity. Right. Yeah. It's the same when it comes to training, like it gets your brain ready to train. Like there's a, there is a connection from your brain to the movement pattern you're going to do. And you need, you need good connection. Okay. Right? But that doesn't mean you should drink a soda before you go to work out. A natural caffeine source is always preferred. Okay. Like if you want to be like a, a connoisseur, like <laughs> like Americano, like a ice Americano, yeah. that's my go-to. Is it? Like a triple espresso, <laughs> like Jeez. rocket fuel, like centralized focus. I'm ready. I'm like, I'm in a good mood. I'm ready to teach or ready to train. I'm like ready to go. But I'm not like jittery. I'm not outside of myself, you know. Okay. I'm, I'm still like. What about protein shakes, supplements like that? Oh, uh, so let's let's keep talking about like okay. what's going to help elicit like um, more available resources in your training, right? Like the word creatine is one that's getting way better literature because of what it does on the on the neurological perspective. There's okay. like there's a little bit of literature about like um, influences like memory and cognition. For us, it influences like being able to train at higher intensities oh. with resistance to uh, fatigue. Okay. So think about it as like a, as a, um, a training wheel, right? An right. aid. If I can train heavier and not be tired, I'm going to develop more or quicker than the next person. Sure. Yeah. And then also there is like another, like a cool bonus that it increases myofibrillar density. So like how big the muscle can be. Right. So from a mass perspective, you want to, have more muscle mass, sure. which give you opportunity to produce more force. That's cool too. And that whole like theory when I was in high school, like it causes tissue damage or dehydration. Well, dehydration causes dehydration. Like, right. Just stay on top of that. Right. With the strategies that we talked about. Drink. Yeah. Drink. You need to drink water. Right. Yeah. Period. And you, when you train, you need more. And the reference point that we talked about is half your body weight in ounces. When you train more than that, it's like, we try to just it. Simple as Easy. possible. It sounds easy, right? Yeah. Like, hey, I could do that today. It's not rocket science. No, People no. just need to go do it. No. Um, so that uh, paired with like another amino acid called beta alanine, which helps shuttle um, like hydrogen out of like uh, the, the things that makes us feel like a burning station, like shuttle it out of the muscle. Those work really well, creatine together. Um, and then uh, like the natural caffeine. That'll give you like opportunity to feel more ready to train. Okay. And that, those are things like that are in all good pre-workouts. The rest is like junk. So you can get them from a high quality source, like pharmaceutical grade. Okay. So we've used in the past, like Thorn Nutrition, which is the supplement brand of MLB. Okay. So 
guys that want to know the edges, like what, what they can get, I'll just make sure it's NCAA and, and MLB compliant. Right. And then educate them on like how, when, and why. And it's up to them to take it. Or, right. Yeah. It's up to them at that point. Yeah. But I, I, I like to be the expert at that because then I can at least put them in the, the right framework of getting stuff that's effective, not wasting their money and not going to put them at risk. Yeah. Cause you don't want anybody taking the wrong mm -hmm. stuff. I think protein supplementation is important to repair tissue. Uh, whether it's like where you're advocate of like immediate protein timing, like right after I train, like immediately I just put the bar down and got to drink a protein shake or within an hour. I just, I think it's important to repair tissue damage. Right. So you adapt to training so you get stronger. So you think that's the best time after the workout, not uh, before? Before, or? I think it's important to have the right fuel to train. So it okay. might be like a snack, an apple, right. like a carbohydrate drink. Something. Yeah. Fuel, mm -hmm. right, for the task. You need to be fueled. You know, you're, you need to fuel the engine to let the engine do what it's supposed to do. Right. Right. You repair, you need to repair that engine. Post-workout. Yeah, you, you, tra you trash the engine. You've, right. You've shredded it to pieces <laughs> and you got to repair the engine. The better you can repair it faster, more effectively, the results are better. So, you know, we'll use protein supplementation, glutamine supplementation, anti-inflammatories like a, like a omega-3. Uh, guys that need to put on more muscle mass will supercharge the carbohydrates in there with a carbohydrate mix or fruit juice that's organic, like dark cherry juice or bananas or whatever. Jesus. Yeah. I mean like just, load just it up. we know how to repair the engine within our lane. Like my lane is intra training, post training, pre training. My lane, I'm not an expert in nutrition, right? I don't know how to deal with someone with aversions to food or food intolerances right. or eating disorders or people who are pregnant. Like that's, I'm not an expert in yeah, that. That's and totally I, I don't, I don't need to be, and uh, that's not my passion of interest, but I need to be relevant in order to like help guide people with good, good strategies. Right. Yeah. 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 Because your kids are totally different in shape, size. You, know, you got your basketball players are different than your golfers. Cross country mm -hmm. is different than your softball players. Yeah. I mean, like for our basketball guys, we get lean dudes that come in the door. Like you can see every rib. Right. And we want to get them super physical. They are like... They're, they are, let's see, they are like track star football player hybrids. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? They run like yeah. deers, they jump out of the gym, they can, they have to bang and 18 year olds are playing with men. Right. You know? So if we can encourage that compliance of like, I want to be physical, I want to develop physically, that's going to help me play at the level that I want to be. Um, and kind of like. Instilling them like, I want to be a pro, I want to be a pro, I want to be a pro, I want to be a pro. Yeah, because that 18-year-old body can be a whole lot different oh, totally. when you're banging up a guy who's 21. Totally. And I think like, again, too, like that's one of the, it comes back to like, what's so cool about college? You get to see it so fast. Right. Like high school, they're always like high school bodied until right. their senior year. Right. Mm -hmm. But in college, it's like kid, man. Boom. Kid, grown woman. Right. Like they are conf not confident, confident. Right. Like they grow up fast. Like Real fast. Fast window of growing up. And um, I tell them that. I said, it's going to be over so oh, quick. so fast. But and it's they're like, no. But it is so cool to see them like not confident, timid, scared, never been in the weight room. And then like driving the training when they're juniors or seniors. Right. And like, this is my. We're not missing. This is my program. Yeah. yeah. We do it this way. We listen this way. Like, I, that's awesome. That means maybe we've influenced it in a positive direction. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
You got any more advice for uh, beginners who want to start throwing some weight around and losing some weight in the next uh, 30 days because they're COVID asses? Practice the basics. <laughs> like the basics over fads are good. Foundationally will get you to the, if you want to try the fad training, if you want to, if you want to listen, like I want to get in a CrossFit box. I want to do what they do. Right. You still got to learn the basics. They, mm -hmm. they squat, they press, they do chin up, they overhead press. They do all of the basics at a faster rate, right? Weightlifting, plyometrics, building capacity to training is important at first. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, have foundation of like movement quality and capacity work. Then you can that give you opportunity to have better results in your strength training work. But learning the basics is never out of style. And I, you'll say that with anything, right? right? Any skill. Yeah. You can't just like go to advanced method because you've lost out on all the things that teach you like all the parts that you're going to need at the advanced method. Right. Yeah. You so, need that. So I think like that's important um, as, as um, rudimentary as it sounds like I can teach the basics well and that's why I'm, in the position that I have. Right. And the results are favorable. And that's all people really need. Yeah. Get up off the couch, move some. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think uh, when you're at home all the time, if you're working from home, you know, carve out your break to do your, right. Do what you're going to do. Uh, we live at a park, right, right at a park. So like we would go to the park and, and run with the kids. Do what whatever. you do there. Yeah. Just move, get yeah. that blood pressure going. Yeah. I had a, a suspension trainer like TRX um, <laughs> that I had to put over like our like our kids like little playground area yeah. in, in our in our condominium complex, and I put like a, a two by four board and made a swing set. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that that's how the TRX guys thought, it's but not, it works. It's not intended for that, but I, I could tell them it doubles as like a a, a playground tool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, Isaac, thanks for your time. Uh, hopefully we get some people to get off the couch yeah. and move a little bit. And thanks for what you do. You know, I think you're one of those like support staff that doesn't get the recognition from the fans because they don't oh, totally. see I, your I, 6 a.m. workouts yeah, with everybody. Definitely. But what you do makes these kids better. Yeah, I, prepares I love, them, repairs them. I love being the jockstrap, the athletic supporter, <laughs> you know, like I don't need any recognition. Uh I like to stay behind the scenes. Like I even said, like when we're at the games and like I'm in the dugout, I'm sitting in the top step with the coaches. Like just, I like to watch and I like to, right. I like to be on the pulse of what's going on. I don't need to be like the rah, rah guy. I don't need to be the center of attention. Like those are the, that's the, they're the players. Like, right. That's their job. Yeah. I want, I want them to learn because I think I have some good strategies for them to be pros. Right. Yeah. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you, Matt. It was You're a lot of fun. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe as well. You can always 